Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, this is Joe Trippy. Welcome back to That Trippy Show. If you're listening to this, you've survived the Republican convention. Congratulations. Hey, and you know, if you haven't heard yet, please check out our special episode that we put out on Monday with my friend, Senator Doug Jones. Um, I thought it was pretty interesting. Uh, he and I uh, connected on a, a, on a number of different topics that I'm sure you'd be interested in. Um, so uh, please uh, go back and check that one out. Also, we'll have another epi- special episode Monday. Uh, more on that at the end of this episode. And would you believe it? We actually have uh, enough support and people listening to this podcast that we have our first sponsor. Uh, It's hashtag unfit, the psychology of Donald Trump, a new film. And you can find more information about this at unfitfilm.com. We really uh, appreciate their sponsorship and hope you'll check them out. We're 67 days from Election Day, getting close. What's on your mind, Alex? Oh, man. So, Joe, we're taping this before Donald Trump's speech, but I think you and I can assume quite a few things about it. I mean, it was obviously a more presidential speech. It was a big shift in tone for him. And honestly, it was really the speech where he finally became president. Obviously. Well, that that could be one way it could go. For sure, in the commentary tomorrow. Uh, but uh, I'm not really worried about that. We've got better things to talk about. Yeah, we can we can really extrapolate a ton from this convention so far. All right. After promising a positive outlook for the Republican National Convention, tonight's speakers painted a dark vision of what this country would look like if President Trump does not win a second term. Joe Biden is good for Iran and ISIS. Great for communist China. And he's a godsend to everyone who wants America to apologize, abstain, and abandon our values. They want to destroy the monuments of our forefathers. They want to disrespect our flag. The hard truth is, you won't be safe in Joe Biden's America. Oh, man. Some scary stuff. Yeah, no, remember what happened to that positive tone, right? So, Joe, Democrats kind of seem like... If you look at the convention last week, they're trying to reach moderate Republicans way more than Trump is, both moderate Republicans and moderate Democrats. And somehow, it, if you look at the polls, the, the strategy from the RNC so far kind of looks like it's working. Trump's close in several swing states. The race is tightening. And it, it, I don't know if you saw this, this report, but Trump thinks that there's actually more rural white voters out there that he can turn out. So they're really focusing on those. Who's the idiot here? Well, look, the, it was always going to close. I mean, look, w- one of the reasons you got to remember, who were those voters that moved in the last few months that, that gave uh, Biden these, you know, even the 14, that big 14 point lead, even the eight, nine point leads in the national polls? Um, they were Republicans. It was more GOP suburban women 
joining those that had already shifted. Uh, they were younger Republicans. They were uh, college-educated, for sure. There was a big move with college-educated Republicans. And, and um, one of the things, and there were even moves uh, towards Biden with no, you know, no college whites um, that had moved towards, uh, towards Biden uh, from the Republican Party. Um, and yeah, so you're having a convention that's what they're trying to do. The Biden, I mean, the, the uh, Trump folks are going to do their best um, to communicate and win some of those folks back. And some of them will go back. Um, uh, we saw this in, in Alabama in, in the Senate race in 2017. We'd, we'd succeed in getting some Republicans to move over to Jones, and then um, Trump or, or uh, more. Uh, would make a, a strong partisan pitch, and some of them would revert, and then over time they came back. So I think what's going to happen here is, yeah, the the Biden campaign um, is going to see some of this movement away from them. Um, that always tends to happen around conventions, anyway. But I don't think it's one. I don't think it's going to be very many um, Republicans who drift back uh, to Trump. And I think um, if Past indications that I've seen, it, they'll start drifting back towards Biden later on, uh, you know, as the campaign progresses. You look at some of the counter programming that's going on. You see all the Romney, Bush, McCain campaign staffers endorsing this week, that kind of push pull. So maybe maybe that's going to have an impact. Well, again, there are Republicans that have moved away from Trump. Clearly, uh, uh, a lot of the folks that have uh, in those, you know, the McCain, Bush, uh, uh, Romney groups that uh, announced they were for Biden today uh, on Thursday, um, they, they, some, many, many of them voted for Trump in 2016. Um, they wanted to, you know, they took the chance, but now they realize it's wrong. You know, the other thing people don't, you know, need to remember is Trump's favorables have declined a lot. Um, he, he has um, uh, gone from, you know, high 60s favorables uh, with, Repu- with, you know, in red states um, down to the low 50s in red states. Uh, in these swing states, it's, it's you know, it's, he's underwater. Um, and so, yes, he's going to get some people back through his convention, but I really think we're talking about a different, you know, a, you know, a different Donald Trump. He's not going to get the energy that he had and get those favorables back up to where he was um, against uh, Hillary uh, in 2016. You bring up a good point about 2016. I don't know if you saw Frank Luntz's tweet, but it freaked a lot of people out. Basically, it was showing that like Pennsylvania, Michigan and Wisconsin, Hillary had way bigger leads than Biden does now. You read anything into that? Uh, no, not really. Again, there's a bunch of things that are totally different from 2016. First of all, we're much more as polarized as we were in 2016. We're much more polarized in 2020. Um, uh, and so uh, I think, yes, there may be a, you know, a, a little bit of difference where Biden has a, has a less of a margin than she did at this point. But I think last time there was a considerable amount of, of ability to move. Um, there were people seriously uh, uh, had, had not really um, fathomed that Trump could win. 
they, you know, people were making different kind of decisions. That's not the case right now. This state, this country is totally polarized. So when you see a six or seven point lead that's locked in cement with very little undecided left, uh, you know, I, I think Biden's actually in the stronger position. You also have to remember, you know, there was a October surprise, Comey in the last week, reopening the uh, investigation uh, and then closing it again, um, uh, you know, which brought all the, uh, uh, brought, you know, really disrupted uh, uh, where Hillary was in the, in the polls. You know, I just don't think that that's going to happen. I mean, look, is there really, uh, uh, you know, the American people right now, when there is an October surprise, is anybody going to be surprised, surprised? by yeah, yeah, surprised no. by an October surprise? No. Um, uh, in fact, I think right now everybody expects it. With the way Trump's been messing around with everything else in the government and Justice Department, uh, uh, you know, where are they really going to be surprised when Barr announces some investigation? You know, in the last month of the of the election, and, and actually, it might actually. Uh, just make a whole lot of people roll their eyes rather than, um, uh, you know, get upset. So I don't think anybody is going to be surprised by an October surprise. You know, it kind of feels like on both sides, we all kind of learned that lesson. On one side, you got Trump saying, don't trust the polls, don't trust the polls. Uh, I'm going to win. And obviously he ended up winning. And now this time it's it's the Biden team saying, don't trust the polls, don't trust the polls. And and it's almost like we're we're almost afraid we're losing this time. And Trump's thinking real people are going to come vote for us. What do you think of that? Well, no, I mean, look, the one thing they've got, they, they I think they do understand um, is that their um, their messages aren't working. I don't think they're working to get even a lot of Republicans to come that have you know left them to come home. I think they what they've come to conclude um, is that yeah the, their convention everything they're doing has to be to try to get folks that didn't vote in 2016 rural more rural voters to turn out. Uh, I don't know that that's possible either. There just isn't some look when you look at the the, the ratings. Uh, the you know the first night they were three million less than the Democratic uh, National Convention's ratings. Uh, I think the second night they were down only slightly a hundred thousand or a couple hundred thousand viewers less than than the Biden uh, Democratic Convention. But that's a big sea change. That's not tr- the you know people aren't you know just just running to their TV set uh, to to watch Donald Trump. Uh, particularly those who aren't paying attention right now, uh, which who, you know, and, and aren't thinking about voting that he needs to get out. So I don't think that strategy is going to work either. So, Joe, gut call here. You feel more or less confident after these two conventions? Oh, I, I'm, I'm still where I where I've been. I think the, the contrast uh, again, um, you know, I'm sorry, folks may be tired of hearing the, the mantra chaos versus community. I think uh, the Biden campaign did a good job with that. And I think uh, uh, the Re- Republican convention in, uh, uh, is doing a good job of the chaos. So, yeah, I think that contrast e- exists and is going to uh, all the way to November. And that benefits Biden. 
So this isn't just a presidential election, obviously, and there, there's some really key states in the Senate that are up for grabs. I know we've talked about it before, but still curious how Biden is really going to be able to affect those down ballot races. You look at states like Arizona and North Carolina, it, those are actually cases where Mark Kelly and Cal Cunningham are actually overperforming Biden right now. Democrats stand a significant chance of flipping Arizona. The real clear politics average of polls in August shows retired astronaut Mark Kelly ahead of incumbent Martha McSally. Uh, my opponent, Tom Tillis, uh, is deeply distrusted by this electorate, and we're working hard to build support and finding it. I mean, the interesting thing in Arizona, obviously, Mark Kelly's been up and up big pretty much the entire time. Does he help Biden more or does Biden help him more? I think they help each other, but Mark Kelly definitely helps uh, helps Biden. Um, and I don't think Biden is a drag at all uh, in most of these uh, Senate races. Uh, the, 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 when you really look at this and you look at what's going on in the numbers, uh, it really just shows that the, 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 the coalition that's uh, moving towards the Democratic Party right now is pretty solidified. And it's the, the Trump Republican coalition that's not quite gelling, right? I mean, if you look at, for instance, you know, Cunningham uh, in North Carolina, Biden's 49, Cunningham's 47. And then you look at um, at Trump at 46, but Tillis at 39. There are a lot, I, I'm seeing it, uh, there are a lot of Trump voters, Not a, I'm not talking tons of them, but 80% of them are going to vote for Trump and that Republican senator. senator. But there's 10, 15% of those voters, maybe 20 percent in some states, uh, depending on who the Democrat is, who don't want a rubber stamp in the Senate for Donald Trump. I mean, they have enough doubts about him. They're going to vote for him, but they have enough doubts about him and they don't see anything getting done that they don't want to they don't want a rubber stamp. So when they look across the aisle and and it's a Mark Kelly there, I think he can get 15, 20 percent of those Trump voters because of who he is, his background, his bio, and, and it's Trump that's helping all of us. At first, you have the Biden coalition pulling together unified, and then there are strong Trump voters that are going to vote for the Republican senator and congressman or, or candidate, and then you have these weaker Trump voters that are that are gonna vote for him again. But but know that they don't want a rubber stamp, want some uh, a check and balance. We're seeing that in poll after poll. If you actually ask people, they say, you know, do you want a rubber stamp? Or do you want to check, uh, somebody would be uh, uh, work across party lines and, and be a check on Trump? Well, there are a lot of Republicans who want that 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 uh, person that can cross party lines to hold a check on on Trump. That's where I think Democrats. So if there's a if you look across the aisle, if Republicans look across the aisle and they see someone like Mark Kelly, who sort of exudes that ability. Yes, he's a Democrat, but yes, he his whole life has been about serving and being uh, and, and he'll work across and get things done. Um, I think those Democrats have a big chance to actually pull people over. And I actually think Biden does that. Uh, it has a, a reputation for that as well. And I think that that's where I'll, why he's drawn more support uh, than I thought was going to happen so far with GOP voters. Well, that, that really gets into what 
you know, someone like Doug Jones is trying to do in Alabama too. And that gets into actually a good listener question we got this week from listener Educator Disney on iTunes. How do you really drum up support for a split ticket vote? Well, it's it's exactly what I'm talking about. You have to uh, there there are voters who want to end the chaos. I mean, I'm talking about voters that would be suburban women, uh, Republican voters who want to end the chaos uh, just as much as the independents and Democrats do. Uh, they're looking over across the aisle um, for the first time, many of them for the first time in their lives, uh, with great angst, by the way. Um, they, they've got deep doubts about Democrats. Um, so it, it's, it's about talking to them directly, listening to them, um, and, you know, and getting your campaign to talk to those voters and, and, uh, and exude... Um, a capacity that what you're more interested in is working together and getting things done. Um, and that's where I get to the chaos versus community thing. Um, if Democratic candidates are talking more about working together as a community to, to address coronavirus, to cr- address the reopening of uh, helping s- uh, small businesses to open up again, um, to address the racial divide, we're only going to be able to do that if we come together um, versus um, uh, Trump, uh, divisive, chaotic. You, you, but you're still going to vote for Trump. Um, join us, come with us. You know, with me in the Senate can't, or, or or the House, and and I think people are going to. Uh, one, we could win a lot of them over at all levels, president on down, and I think that's happened. I mean, that's why I think you see Joe Biden above fifty in a lot of these polls. Um, unlike Hillary, who is never really above fifty ever. Right. I don't, you know, so. Uh, I think the reason he's above 50 is he is getting some of those voters where I think people are going to split their ticket won't be at president, though. I mean, that's always going to be the hardest one for a partisan to to get over. But once you do that, uh, and particularly if you have doubts about the candidate you're voting for for president, it usually can lead trickles to down. Yeah, yeah, trickles down. So it, it, looking at this from the other side for a second, how does someone like a Susan Collins, a Republican incumbent senator, play this? She always kind of had that outsider shtick going. But if you look at every one of her big decisions, they've been pretty much lockstep for Trump. Is that going to work for her? Uh, it it might work for her, but I think uh, there's a there's real peril because um, of the the what we were just talking about. I think there'll be a lot of Republicans, uh, a lot of people in the state of Maine who, uh, uh, one, may not vote for Trump, uh, so you already have a problem there. Uh, And then two, I think a lot of those who vote for Trump may want a more independent, uh, you know, know, uh, somebody that they know um, isn't going to just be disappointed or worried, or any of the other things Susan Collins usually is. Very concerned. Yeah, yeah very concerned, and actually say, no, yeah, I'm not going to vote for that. Uh, and so I think, you know, it's, it's, it works on both sides. Uh, I'm just not sure uh, with her if she can, um, you know, convince people that her concerns and worries are, are stronger than uh, being independent enough to say to vote now. Well, the interesting part about me, we've talked a ton about a place like North Carolina or Arizona or even Georgia, where 
You've got Republican incumbent senators who are, who are being dragged down by Trump and might lose. But Maine is probably, I know Maine splits his electoral votes, but Joe Biden's going to win the popular vote in Maine. Like it's not, it's not up in the air like it is in North Carolina. How does that play for Collins? I feel like we're not talking about Collins enough. Well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I think uh, uh, Trump's not going to win uh, the the popular vote in Maine. Uh, and that, so she's already got that drag on her. Um, the, there'll be a lot of Trump voters. This, she's in a really weird position, right? There's going to be a lot of Trump voters who don't think she's Trumpy enough. She's not Trumpian enough for me. Uh, and then on the same token, there'll be uh, uh, Democrats and independents who think, you know, she's just always concerned and disappointed and worried, but never stands up to him. I think that's a really dangerous place to be because uh, she can lose votes both ways. Um, Joe Biden and, the, uh, and Gideon can hold the, uh, the Democratic part of the coalition together and I think pick off uh, 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 enough votes from Susan Collins that she, she could lose for both reasons. People walk into the booth, vote for Trump and walk out. Right. Um, because she's, you know, she's, they're disappointed and worried about how so supportive she really is of the president. And, uh, and then you have, uh, a bunch of other folks walk in and, uh, and vote for Trump and say, nah, I don't really like her and, and vote for, uh, uh, yeah, for Gideon. Yeah. yeah. So, Mercifully, the conventions are over now, but what's Trump going to do looking ahead? If you look at things like TV and mail-in requests, Biden is pretty much crushing him. Politico reported that Trump's getting outspent 5-1 to one on TV the last couple of weeks, 8-1 to one in Wisconsin. And if you look at mail-in ballots requested by partisanship, uh, Democrats are crushing Republicans in places like North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and voting is starting like really soon. In it. Most other years, most other races, I'd say a really good sign for Democrats, but Trump has me second guessing again. Well, didn't they also say they're not they're they're off the air now all the way to September one or something like that? Yeah, I think he just went up on cable like this morning. So just a like national million dollar cable buy, but nothing significant. Yeah, I mean, they're, I, I think, look, I, I've, uh, uh, I think this is clearly their message isn't working. Uh, I, when they went off the air in, in uh, Michigan and Amy Chapman and I got into, you know, sort of discussion about digital and stuff, it was uh, and I said, look, maybe the reason they went down in Michigan was, you know, their 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 law and order messaging that they were doing wasn't wasn't working. And they were retooling. I think, look, they have spent a billion dollars on TV. And I mean, however, they're getting um, outspent right now when they're sort of off the air, they they have spent a billion dollars on digital beating the daylights out of Biden and on TV uh, doing it. And guess what? Uh, you know, has it closed a little recently uh, through the conventions? Yeah, but it ain't working. Um, so I think what's going on is I think they've got to um, uh, be looking at um, uh, more focus groups, more data and trying to figure out what what is going to work here? I actually think maybe the other thing that's going on um, is they've decided another billion on TV. And I've been saying this. I don't really think, uh, you know, two billion more attacking Biden or two billion from Biden attacking Trump is going to decide going to change anything. It's not going to change anybody's minds out there. So if that's the case, it might be smarter to spend a billion dollars 
going and looking for rural voters that didn't vote in 2016 um, to t- totally take it off the air and put it into um, your own massive vote by mail, which will be a little problematic since he's told Pretty every Republican himself yeah, fight, not yeah. to do that. Uh, but but to get, you know, more and more uh, uh, people uh, who who they think are in areas they could carry, but who did not vote in 2016 to turn them out. Um, that might be smarter than spending another, you know, six million dollars on Iowa television. Right. Um so in the six million um, in rural Iowa, turning out every single uh, person who didn't vote vote in 2016. That's either a not very active Republican or um, you know not very uh, uh, info driven voter, uh, and uh, get them uh, you know stoke fear and everything else in them and get them out. Uh, I think they're trying to do the stoke fear part real, but it's not working. Uh, they may need to do throw a lot more money at the actual mechanics of, of getting them there um, might be smarter than spending more money trying to, to, to scare people into it. Right. Well, I mean, you look at some of the voting trends. I mean, historically, isn't it true Republicans tend to dominate the early vote, the vote by mail? Oh, yeah. And then we kind of show up on Election Day. I mean, as you see all the voting lines and cities, things like that. I mean, it seems like it's shifting, right? Oh, no, it's definitely shifted. Look, I mean, I was there. I did Tom Bradley's race for governor in 19, dating myself again in 1982. Everybody thought the Bradley effect was people uh, who, uh, you know, who, who, who were lying to pollsters about who they were going to vote for. Uh, so there's this thing about the Bradley effect, you know, that you can never trust the polls because people won't tell you the truth. They look at Tom Bradley. It wasn't that at all. What happened was... Um, the Republicans actually did a massive vote by mail program. We lost, we won on election day, but lost when they counted the absentee uh, vote by mail ballots. Uh, and they started then and they've been building it ever since. Um, that's why you heard a lot of the Florida Republicans screaming when, um, when Trump said, was talking about fraud and vote by mail, because that's how Florida, that's how the Florida GOP's always uh, had its gains and, and uh, been able to win in Florida through vote by mail. Um, and so what's happened uh, with with uh, Trump throwing, you know, all these fraud, uh, uh, fraud allegations about vote by mail um, and uh, and saying it's an ugly, evil thing, It'll destroy our democracy. What you're seeing is a whole bunch of Republicans um, saying that they're not going to they're not going to vote uh, by mail. Right. Well, you look at something like Pennsylvania, where Trump won by like 44,000 votes, something like that. And there wasn't a ton of mail in voting in PA in 2016. But you look at this year, people are talking about it being like 10, 15 times the number of votes. Oh, it's going to be huge. I mean, it's going to be huge because of COVID. I mean, what's, what I'm saying is you've got, um, you know, Democrats, they they don't want to vote in person. They want to vote. Uh, by mail. The problem with uh, the Republicans is with Trump both saying, don't vote by mail, it's fraudulent. And by the way, maybe we should delay the election because um, uh, it's too dangerous to vote in person. 
he can end up hurting himself both ways. I mean, first of all, we don't know where a second, you know, if this first wave is going to continue to grow in the fall or whether we're going to have a second wave of, of COVID. It, you know, if we're really going through a period where the virus is really in a hot second wave in going into November uh, and these Republicans still think that they shouldn't vote by mail, how many of them turn out? Uh, and, and you're trying to turn out people who haven't ever voted in 2016 for you in the middle of a pandemic actually to go to the polls. It's a very weird, strange, only Trump could come up with this strategy. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I wouldn't embark on it, but uh, uh, I think they've got real problems. I think their, pro- their message isn't working. If it was, they'd be bombarding Biden with a message that was working and they're not. So, Joe, to kind of wrap up, one of the other things that's been happening during this convention, where, and this started really yesterday, was the Bucks, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks NBA team uh, boycotted their playoff game against the Magic, and then obviously the rest of the NBA quickly followed suit. Some baseball teams, the Brewers did it too, but you're seeing a lot of athletes uh, kind of taking a stand with the, the Jacob Blake situation and, and protesting yeah, what's been going right. on. Well, the NBA leading again. I mean, they did it on March 11th when they uh, were the first league to shut down uh, uh, play uh, for the coronavirus and, and, you know, and and led, uh, I think, all the leagues to do the right thing there and delaying their seasons. Um, And then again, you see it now uh, with, with what's happening in Kenosha. And the... RNC convention is doing everything um, that focuses on the protests and the violence of the protests. Well, the only real violence in terms of deaths happened the other way around. It was, um, it, you know, it was a 17-year-old kid with a long gun, uh, vigilante. I, I mean, the whole thing is just backwards and, and I mean, upside down. And it just goes to show you again that that convention is geared only at keeping their voters in the bubble. Uh, and again, you know, in their own bubble and, and trying to get people in that bubble to actually vote if they, if they haven't voted in 2016. I mean, you think about this for a second. You have to be in the bubble to get that message, right? You have right. to be one of the 16 million who watched. I'm not sure the people that they think they're trying to turn out are watching or, this or uh, watching it anyway yeah, right exactly and and still uh, and so you you have this you know all other world reality uh or non-reality um that's all focused on with no discussion at all about why these protests are even happening in in the first place they're happening because a a a guy who broke up a fight was shot seven times in the back with no weapon in his hands or anything. But this was on video. People are appalled and upset and want to do something about it. The NBA did the right thing, I think, led again, and, other, uh, and, and others are follow, will follow suit. But the convention, the convention went in the absolute opposite direction. I mean, just didn't acknowledge any of it. Um, and is even sort of celebrating the vigilantes, the, 
the McCloskey. Yeah, Missouri couple. Yeah, the, with, the it, it, with the yeah. guns. Um, uh, it's just stunning that this entire convention has ignored all of it. I mean, they've ignored COVID that's cured and over. You know, I mean, it's just amazing. Yeah, I don't know if you saw, but uh, actually while we were recording this, uh, they they rolled out a bunch of testing changes yesterday while Dr. Fauci was under anesthetic for an operation. And then uh, literally 10 minutes ago, they backed off of that again. So story's changing again on that. Yeah, no, it's uh, the whole thing is, uh, I mean, that's what I mean. It's just an, it's an alternative reality and they've got to keep everybody in that bubble and at the same time try to reach people who aren't even paying attention to either bubble because we have ours too. Uh, well, ours is more science and reality based at least. Uh, and I think more community based. And that's where I think that, you know, again, we're going to see, I, I still think it's, that's what's going to happen here, that even people who aren't that engaged, I think if there is a surge in people who haven't voted, it's going to be people in 2016 who weren't that engaged, thought Hillary Clinton was going to win, didn't think there was any chance Trump would, didn't vote. Uh, and this time, they're not going to let make that mistake again. So I actually think if there is that kind of a surge of, of folks who didn't vote in 2016, it's going to happen for Joe Biden, not for Donald Trump. Hey, so thanks for listening to that trippy show. Um, you know, if you have a question, please submit it on iTunes in the reviews. Um, we try to answer them occasionally. Uh, and occasionally, it's great to see... Uh, someone I've worked with in a past campaign uh, make a comment or ask a question there. A, somebody who worked the phone bank in Bangor, Maine in the 1980 Kennedy campaign showed up uh, and asked a question there. I, I really enjoy reading them and reading your comments. So uh, please, please leave them there if you can. Uh, our next show will come out Monday. And uh, it's featuring uh, one of my the favorite people I've worked for over the years, former California Governor Jerry Brown. Um, I promise you it'll be worth a listen. Uh, he, uh, he always has some insights that no one else has thought about, and I'm really looking forward to that show. So please check back on Monday for that one. And just a reminder, you can check out unfitfilm.com, hashtag unfit, the psychology of Donald Trump, a new film that's being released You can go to unfitfilm.com to find out more information and support our sponsor. Thanks for listening. And as always, I promise Alex will be sharper next time. See you Monday. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.